When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. to talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. In today's show, Craig McGuff joins me as we discuss the Osasuna match. But first, I want to discuss the week that was Barcelona headed to the Europa League. and un fracaso, as we like to say here in Spanish, and a huge debacle. Now, going to Bayern was going to be an impossible situation, an impossible task to ask, especially with this team, with the amount of injuries that we had, and especially playing away in the cold in Germany. And Bayern, again, showed us that they are basically our daddy. Uh, they beat us 3 nothing, basically putting in a level 6 effort out of 10, barely almost breaking a sweat, only doing enough you know, to get those three points, and they did it very easily. Bayern is superior to us in the Champions League. If you take out the one Champions League semifinal when we won the triple at the Bayern has owned us in the Champions League, and they continue to dominate us in this group. Now, when Xavi took over, the main goal of this was to get out of the group stage, and it was he was unable to do that with this group, obviously with the result in Benfica and obviously in Bayern. But I'm 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 not so much upset or disappointed about this Europa League because again, this is it's a tough season, young nucleus, it's very unpredictable. So these things were going to happen I think but for me it's it starts at the beginning of the season with Laporta you know Laporta his plan right now to me has been kind of throwing paint at the wall now I don't understand why he trusted Kuman so much at the beginning of the season because he could have pulled the trigger to hire Xavi which I think he should have done I understand the money implications but for me I think giving Xavi the full preseason selecting some of the players in the transfer market that we could have gotten. For example, I think Chavi wouldn't have selected Luke Dijon, for example. And I think Chavi would have had a better overall view of what the team needed. And also, leading up to this, I think, obviously, the team would have been better prepared for the beginning of the season, and they would have had a better first step forward in the Champions League. But again, to me, the lack of planning that Laporte has shown throughout this process so far in his second tenure as president is just it's baffling to me because again obviously losing Messi the way it's gone uh you know especially with the coaching situation with Kuman that we're still paying three coaches essentially it just it doesn't always feel like we have a solid plan in place now I commented to this uh to Mariana in our Barca Talk Cafe 
that we do every Friday for our patrons is that, you know, ever since Xavi has come in, the drama has definitely subsided quite a bit here in Spain with all the news about Barcelona from the exterior, which is good because now we're mainly focusing on the play on the field, players, tactics, that type of thing. But again, I just think, you know, I'm still kind of nervous about what Laporta is going to do or not do, especially in this January winter transfer window. And especially we're hearing all these rumors about players coming and going and who's going to come and go and so forth. And to me, it's really important that we really need to take a look and clean house with this team because, you know, I understand PK and Sergio Busquets, especially in the Osasuna match. But again, I I kind of want to see fresh faces. I'm I'm tired of seeing Busquets, and I know he still can contribute, but... I don't know. I'm I'm in this weird phase right now. One of our patrons, Troy, said in our WhatsApp group, uh, we need to do something like Jimmy Johnson did when he took over the Dallas Cowboys and we just went straight to the youth. You know, they drafted really well and they basically cleaned house with these old veterans that had been there forever. And again, I think that's what we need to do, especially with Europa League, I think we definitely need to take advantage with using all our youth players as much as possible to get more experience from that and to advance. And again, I pose this question to you. What is a more attainable goal for us? Fourth place in La Liga or winning Europa League? Because now it is so important to make Champions League for next year. And that should be Xavi's ultimate goal, obviously, for this season. After the break, Craig and I discuss Barca's performance in Pamplona. Well, we we just finished watching the Osasuna match, and I and I joked to you on WhatsApp that I wish sometimes I can watch these matches at 1.5 speed, so I can just kind of see it, get it done with it, get done with it, like I do on some podcasts I listen to. What were kind of your overall impressions? I know we're, we were kind of talking pre-recording about how Barca's not giving us this animo as much as they used to, but I mean, what was your first impressions, you know, especially after the debacle over the week with Bayern and then seeing this match in a tough place in Pamplona? It's a really hard situation to analyse, isn't it? And it, I don't know if, if anyone that's listening is, is having to try and explain where we are to anyone who doesn't follow Barca that much. But on the one hand, you can't get too upset because if you look at the lineup today and the, the young players who should be nowhere near this team yet, who are carrying us, as Xavi said after the game, you know, getting carried by youngsters, it's really hard not to get downbeat. But at the same time, it just feels so inevitable that this team is going to disappoint. And I'm finding it re- like I've watched bad Barcelona sides who should have been doing better. And I've watched young Barcelona sides do great. This seems to be right in the middle of it. So <laughs> uh, I, I'm finding it really hard to, to judge. And this is just another one of, of those games where I think I don't even really know how to sum that up. How about you? Yeah. And I think it's like you said, the young players, that's the one thing that really I am excited to watch. And that keeps me you know, really engaged in the matches. Yeah. But I'm really hard, hardy finding a hard time to see like the real DNA of, of Barca, you know, like I don't see the great midfield passing that we should be having, you know, especially with these. And I, and I, and I see the talent obviously with Nico and Gabi to be able to do that, but I just feel like Nico and Gabi start the, the passing and then all of a sudden it gets stopped by the young or up at the top. You know what I'm saying? And that, that, that to me is like, it's hard to find. And again, in this match against Osasuna, I knew it was going to be difficult because as you saw, Osasuna was just physical with us mm. because they're playing against boys. And you could just see a couple of times, you know, when Gabi in the, in the first half got knocked off and then at the end, 
so again, these are the type of things we're going to see in this type of, of matches, especially in a way match in the cold again, and just seeing these youngsters kind of get out physical, you know, even though they're maybe on, on paper a little bit more talented. Right. So again, yeah. it's, those are the things I'm kind of looking for, but let's, let's start off with a positive here. Cause obviously I think one of, you know, the great thing about these younger players coming through is that we are, we have the pipeline full. And again, another, I think revelation in the last couple of matches has been Abde. I mean, yeah. today he, I mean, look at him compared to Dembele on the wings, right? And I, that's what mm-hmm. I look at. They both have, obviously Abde doesn't have the speed of Dembele, but he also has that quickness that you would want yeah. on a wing. And I think what's really refreshing about Abde, he's he's really direct and he doesn't lose the ball. What are, what have you been, your impressions of Abde so far? Yeah, I, I really like him. And I think it's it's making me question the whole Barca DNA thing, to be honest. And, and, and so stay with me on this one. Okay. I've always thought, if someone said to me, what is Barca DNA? I've always looked at the lineage from Mikkels through Cruyff and all the sort. It's, it's being technically very, very good, being mobile, having good idea of spatial reasoning, being where you should be at the right time and passing the ball at the right time. And I think I'm looking at the players who aren't performing for us at the minute. And I'm looking at the players who are performing. And I don't think many of them stand out other than the ones that are obvious to people who don't even watch Barca. Like Luke Dion quite clearly does not have whatever Barca mm-hmm. DNA is. But the players who do at the minute, like PK to an extent, I'm just working back backwards to front. This certainly isn't putting PK at the top of this list. PK to an extent, Longley to an extent, Dest certainly, um, Dion certainly, well, Frankie Dion certainly, Dembele all, all the time. It's they've got all of them attributes, but what they're not doing at the minute is taking risks. They're not willing to go and, you know, they're not willing to go and lose the ball because the upside is so much better than the, you know, the, the perceived downside. And if I look at the great Barca teams, the amount of times that we would just get a ball past a defender's outstretched leg because the risk of it getting there, you know, the amount of times that Xavi uh, Iniesta would get, would get Alves or Alba on a flank. And you think if that gets cut out, it's a goal. But they were willing to take the risk. I'm, so I, I'm starting to question whether the Barca DNA is not about passing and moving. It's about risk taking in the right areas. And, and that that's what I'm finding difficult is that the players who are shining at the minute, Abde, Nico, Gavi, Balde, when he's been in there, they're, they're taking risks and they're getting me off my seat and they're exciting. Um, it's a really weird scenario that these kids genuinely could rescue a club of the size of ours yeah. compared to the players and the salaries and the names that they're carrying. It's It's, it's insane, really. I think that's a great point, the risk, right? Because I think, you know, especially with the, you know, the glory years of 2009 on, you know, that four year with Pep and stuff, I think, you know, obviously they were holding off for a better opportunity because they knew a better opportunity was going to come, right? You know, like, for example, in the box, maybe they wouldn't take as much risk in the box passing and giving those extra passes because they knew that they would rather hold on to possession to try to work another better opportunity, right? Like that's usually what happens. But now with this team, with this team now, I don't know if they know that they're going to have more opportunities. So you have to kind of just take those risks and opportunities. Like, for example, on the counter today that Abde started, gives the ball to Luke DeYoung. I want Luke DeYoung to shoot from outside the box there because I think he had a good lineup there. And then he dribbles off the ball to a pass that goes nowhere and then we lose that chance. Well, it's, so, a, it's, a great, it's a great shout. And I mean, look at the, the one example that was in my head when I was watching the game was Belletti's second goal in Paris. Belletti, who was mm. arguably other than the keepers, and you can maybe put Valdez ahead of him, one of the people you'd least likely, to, you'd least like to want to be taking a shot at that time of the match. Not very mobile at the time. 
But but Letty saw the risk of running into coverage. It was what two against one, maybe three against yeah. one. And he beats the keeper at the near post because the risk of him doing that was so because the defenders had been drawn in. If he you know, if the keeper parries it back in the in, in the box, he gets a shot. If that gets turned over, we've got our least mobile fullback with the entirety of the pitch against Thierry Henry to cover. But it was risk taking, it was sensible risk taking. And the other thing is that how often have, have there been have teams been our Barcelona teams been doing that sitting eighth, seventh, eighth in the league? Like maybe that yeah. maybe that's it. They don't want to. But I just think either way, like we're just so predictable. We're not. We're so slow. We're so we're not even good methodical. We're turgid methodical. Yeah. And these, but then you've got these little glimmers of hope in there, like Abde, like Nico, like Gavin. I just think, you know, I, I was saying to you during during the game on WhatsApp, like. There's enough there that I'm excited for next year. I can just see this being a fairly ropey ride for five or six months. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Like, like I was telling my friend the other day when we were watching Bayern and, and another match, I said, Barca just needs to take their counters and just take it to the house, right? Because everyone knows that Barca is not going to do that, right? They know that they're going to slow it down to bring everyone into play. And to me, you know, especially when I watch the Premier League with like, Let's say if I'm taking a team like, I don't know, uh, a mid-table team that's playing a giant, they're going to take their chances on counters as much as they can because they know they're not going to have that many chances. And that's kind of the mentality we have to think right now, especially with Memphis going to be gone for a month, lacking the, the you know, goal scorer that we normally do have. You know, today we had Nico and Abde scoring, you know, I. I don't yeah. know if before the game I would have marked them at scoring the goals, you know, and yeah. that's the thing is we're going to have to scrap and claw for every goal that we can get because, yeah. yeah, we are a young, talented team, but the team still lacks a little bit of that confidence and risk-taking. And like you said, when they're in the box trying to bounce around, you I mean, I feel like nothing's going to happen. So yeah. so anyway, let's let's talk a little bit about the, the formation. I mean, we haven't talked since Xavi's been appointed as the head coach. Mm-hmm. He's been definitely experimenting with different formations again tonight. A, a, a three, they, here on who scored, they're saying 3-3-3-1. Three, 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 um, again, I don't know if the three-back system is our best system right now. What are, what are your kind of overall thoughts about Xavi's experimental formations, especially more on the back? I don't – you know, the midfield and the forwards, I don't – I'm more concerned about the defense because, again, there were two moments in this match where we were – we had the lead and we gave them up. Yeah, it, it – I feel like – honestly, like, I feel like he's on a bit of a hide into nothing no matter what he does because you can't play four or five at the back if you've got no fullbacks. Mm-hmm. You can't go and build around your midfield if you can't trust – the linchpin of that historically, I say historically, but over the last season or two in Frankie de Jong. We don't have a focal threat up front, so how do you set up up top? I feel like he's, I think Xavi is legitimately, which is surely the worst thing you do. I'm not a football manager, never have been a football manager, but <laughs> surely the worst thing you would want to be doing as a football manager is, is going literally game to game. It's like, it's like, it's like earning a living. You don't want to live month to month or week to week. It's horrible. Yeah. You want at least a little bit of freedom for, and, and planning, and I feel like that's what he's having to do. So I think, I think it's ex- we could either call it experimental or we could call it completely reactionary to the players he has fit and the and the perceived form of whoever's in there. Like, surely if he could, he'd be taking De Jong out there. But what do you do with the midfield? Yeah, I'm guessing he didn't want to be putting Umtiti in today. You probably don't want to be having Mingesa going in as your as your replacement sub in a in a you know in a back three. I'm guessing. So I feel like Chavi's probably not experimenting to try and find the golden ticket. He's probably just trying to get through each game as it comes. Sure. Sure. And have you been, have you, well, you know, I, again, I'm, I know, I know a lot of people want to bash on TT. I mean, but I, I still have a soft spot for him because he was so, 
he was so effing great, you know, like when he was. To your your point, though, I I, I clarify my point a little bit because I agree with you. To my to my point, it's not about Umtiti as a player; it's about Umtiti who hasn't played. Yeah, 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 ninety minutes, forty-five minutes, whatever. Like the last thing you want to be doing is putting an un potentially not unfit books. No one should be unfit if they're in sure. but a, a, a rusty, a ring rusty player into yeah. a formation that no one's mega comfortable with. And surely he doesn't want to be doing that. You'd rather be playing the same team minus one change every week in the same formation. You know? I mean, that's the thing, right? He hasn't, he's basically changed the lineup every, every match because he's trying to find a consistent 11 and also, you know, just trying to find a system that's going to work for this team mm-hmm. going forward just to get two, you know, two good performances in a row. I mean, yeah, you can't yeah. even say that, you know, obviously, you know, he hasn't been as bad as Kuman with the decision-making, I think. I think he's been – definitely has more vision about what he wants to do. But, again, like I, I was thinking about this while watching the match. I mean, it, it's a Frankenstein of a roster. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like you have a player, let's say like Memphis. Uh, I don't know if I want to put him in a 4-3-3 system. You know, I feel like he's more a 4-4-2 type of player. I don't know. Like you have all these bits and bops of players that – you know, could be great in this system, but then you you have two players that aren't, and so you can't use that system. And so I think, you know, Chavi's trying to do the best with what he can do, but, I, you know, I, I'm pretty okay with that. And I think Umtiti, yeah, he had some plays at the beginning that were kind of like, oh, God, Umtiti, what are you doing? But then mm-hmm. he played himself into the match where he was he was fine. Yeah. Again, again, our my whole thing is like, I don't know if we should just go four back or three back and how that all fits out. And because, again, we've seen three. We continue mm-hmm. to give up goals, and I don't know if what's better. To the problem, try- the problem you have though is that think think of a formation, and if I was going to be obtuse about it, every formation you roll out, I would say, okay, with who, and you'd struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the problem yeah. Chavi has, and you know, it, and this isn't news. Like this also isn't really. I'm not being negative here. I'm just being realistic about it, is that we need to get through this season with damage limitation and start to rebuild. Like I think anyone who thought that the problem lay entirely at Kuman's door was probably being massively naive. Like Kuman yeah, yeah. definitely could have done more. He, he certainly wasn't the person to take this team forward, but I don't think he was the single person holding us back. And I think, you know, anyone that thought Chavi would come in and all of a sudden you'd start to see, you know, 82% possession and us winning three 0 every no. game. It's just mistaken. And yeah, yeah, I think sure. I, I'd love to sit down with Chavi and say, what, what's the aim here? Is it to blood youngsters? Is it to just avoid catastrophes? Is it to try and win? Now, if you look at Osasuna, every year that we've been successful, Osasuna will be one of those grounds, the same as Sociedad until they yep. until they did it up, which is slightly yep. less soft, it's slightly softer ground to go to now. Yeah, yeah. You'd look at Vigo going there, mm-hmm. it's raining, horrendous. Yeah, you know, Os- Osasuna was definitely one of those games where you'd look at Pamplona on the calendar and think, oh, here we go again. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're gonna get, we're gonna get, you know, they're great at what they do. I've got a lot of respect for them, but you know, they they're gonna. They're, they're, they're a nicer version of Hatafe. They're going to kick us. They're going to be yep. physical. They do it well. They do it within the realms of the game almost all the time. So, you know, any other season, you're probably looking at this game and, and saying, well, we point we move on. We're just not in that luxury position of being sitting first or second. It's a yeah, very they're... typical Osasuna game in many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, definitely. Because, you know, before the match here, they were showing the last three times that Barca played at Osasuna. And they were basically all losses, all the same type of match. Even when we were in the glory years, we still struggled there. So it's always going to be a tough place to play. Now let's go through some of the goals because, you know, Mm. those are some, obviously, some of the positive things, you know. We had the lead twice, and unfortunately, we didn't escape with the three points. But let's go with the first goal by Nico. It's his first goal for Barca. Just a really nice setup play with De Jong and Nico just going through up the middle. And I kind of tweeted this out. I said, wow, it's amazing what happens when you go vertical and overlap. Like, things happen. 
And what do you, what was your kind of impression of this goal with Nico? I mean, Nico is becoming one of my uh, favorite youngsters, just the way he's handles himself and the way he kind of is a little bit dot, you know, is on the line of losing a little bit of the, uh, like the mental game, you know, he, he, I, yeah. I feel like he can get a yellow card in two seconds. Like that's the type of player. So uh, what do you think about the first goal by Barca? Yeah, I thought it was good. It, it, it was a nice goal. Great for Nico to get it. You know, definitely one particularly sentimental person when it comes to who gets my goals, minus if anyone's chasing a record. Mm-hmm. But it's always nice when someone who's grafting gets something in return. Um, so it's nice to see him come up. It was a, it was a good it was a good goal. But you know, we're going to come on to this in a second. But it's never it's never a goal, and you think right, that's it. Ten minutes <laughs> now, we'll be camped in, and you know. So yeah, great great to see him get it. If he can if he can maintain the contribution across the areas that he's given us, he'll be a superstar. But if he can get if he can get you know goals on a semi-consistent basis he'll be he'll be like gold dust for us yeah that's a good point and then literally two minutes later Osasuna ties the match on a dead ball and again it's it's I put this into the whatsapp group you know we have too many mental lapses but now I'm starting to just think that our team is just mentally inept you know because we have too many you know it's one thing that I think we still have the romanticism of you know that's one of the things I think made Barcelona so great in their golden era was they didn't make mental mistakes, you know? There was very few mental lapses in each match, and that's what helped win so many matches in their consistency. And now I just think this team is just not as mentally strong, and we just have mm. these lapses all the time. Because, again, that to me, the goal by Osasuna was a professional header. It was such a nice header. Like, that's the that's the that's what you teach if you're, like, coaching, you know? Like, you just mm-hmm. jump up, hit, flick, perfect angle and everything. But, again, it was just... Marking was lost in the fold, and again, it's just lapsed again. And yeah. two minutes what, later, also soon ties the match. What, what I what I was annoyed about is like we've always been a team that gets bullied at set pieces, mm-hmm. and you almost you almost just have to take that on the chin, right? Like if you know if we've got an average height of five foot eight, and the team we're playing has got an average height of six foot two, then like you're going to lose some. This just wasn't one of those set pieces. It was. I'm going to slightly disagree with you, like. The ball was all right. The header was all right. Like, you would see the same in Segunda B in terms of quality, in my opinion. Like, it was it was all right. I I honestly don't think that that's a goal that at the level that we play at, we should be going, yeah, fair play. Fair play. Like, the marking was dreadful. The ball wasn't whipped in with a mass amount of pace. No. I, I know I'll break that down a bit because it just sounds like I'm being bitter. But the ball wasn't whipped in to the penalty spot with loads of pace and whip and curl. The header wasn't attacked with a 15-yard run-up by some guy sure, that was higher sure. than everyone else and just you know, put it right into the corner. He never lost a marker. There wasn't some kind of decoy run that took a marker away. He was never marked. The ball was basically on the edge of the box when he connected to it, and the keeper's miles away from a ball that wasn't hitting with piss. So, like, if I was Osasuna, I'd be saying, yeah, decent, decent effort. We've done that. But you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be expecting that to go in more than five times out of ten, in my opinion. I, just, I think it was really poor from us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's the type of header, like if you're playing on a Sunday league, the players on the Sunday league cannot make that header, is what I'm trying to yeah, get at more. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, ag- but agreed, like you said. agreed, but people in the Segunda B should be able to. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I would say yes as as well. But again, like you said, it, it wasn't anything spectacular, you yeah. know, and that's, that's, that's really the thing that kind of, yeah, yeah. When I watched the replay and I just saw him so wide open, I was like, wait, what just happened? Who? Yes, <laughs> I, I thought in real time, I thought yeah. it was the man that PK lost. Because okay. there was there was traffic there, yeah, yeah, and I thought it was PK's man, and I thought, well, 
you know, you should probably expect better from him. But if there's traffic, if he's been, you know, if he's being caught, obviously, particularly in, in, in the, the day and age of VAR that we are, you've got to be careful where your hands are, etc. And sure. I was like, well, disappointing, but it is what it is. And then when I saw the replay of, of you know, a centre-half with no one within three or four yards of him at a set piece from that far out, I just thought, this is this can't, this just can't happen, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's go into the goal update. You know, I, this half volley for me was just... Again, professional, just like what you would t- like. Mm. I saw him lining it up, and I'm like, "This is going in." I I knew it because the way he was like teeing up, ready, almost like a golf swing, like just getting his hips back and just hitting that, you know, and just doing that, and then all of a sudden, like he just fired into the corner. So again, yeah. I was on a cross, and it was on a counter, and I think that's the type of attack that we have to look forward is take these counters as much as we can to the end and try to get shots off goal. So again, Abde gets his first goal. For Barca. Yeah, great finish. Really good finish. I mean, how many times do you see them balloon over the bar? Yeah, and, exactly. You know, because it's so hard to get right. Like, yeah. you know, if, if, if you don't get your knee over the ball there, it's so easy to, to either put that way over the bar or, or just smack it into the ground and take all power out of it. So, yeah, really good finish, for, especially to have that the composure for someone so young in that position. I, th- I think it's a, a really, really positive sign of things to come. Um, I think the, the Dembele cross really interested me because in in real time, I don't know what you were watching it on. I was watching it on. I'm guessing there's a similar feed in the UK and the US, but obviously you're in you're in Spain, so I don't know who you were watching commentate. But I was watching Graham Hunter on it, and he and he was full of praise for Dembele's run and cross. And I was thinking, maybe, maybe this is you know maybe this is just where my mind is. But I was like, it wasn't that good. Like yeah, he beats the man, but he should beat the man. Like that was like a, it got flicked by the defender in the post. So I think the finish was amazing. Yeah. I guess I'm just trying to get my dig into Dembele in case we don't get to him. Like I just, <laughs> I, I just don't understand what's happening with that kid. Like even, even getting the we're gonna, we're gonna get to him. He's a, he's so, the next point. He's the next point. But no, I get it. I mean, <laughs> I think, I think it's one of those things. Is you know when you watch him, especially in that play, like he does 98% of the awesome work, and then the the cross is like eh, but it took it got the job done. So it's kind of yeah. like you know you just. Sure, it worked. You know, it's it wasn't anything spectacular, but it was more about the movement before for him to break free and then kind of just get that pass. But again, um, let's just go to the second goal and then we'll go into Dembele. Okay, so <laughs> the second goal by Osasuna again. To me, that's just bad luck. It was a good hit by Chimmy. It was going through traffic and he hit it hard enough that you knew it was going to deflect yeah. and give Ter Stegen problems. So to me, that's just again defender. But again, I you know these players, especially these young players, have to learn now how to protect the lead and when to take risk in those chances and to play possession. And I think that's what we're still lacking, especially in the last 10 minutes, because when we scored that and I look at the clock, I'm like, mm, there's still too much time for Osasuna to do something, right? To throw the kitchen sink. And that's ultimately what happened. But again, if you were to tell me before this match, let's say on Friday, that we were going to go to the Osasuna and get a point, I'd, I'd be okay with that. So I guess it's just more about that we had the lead twice and you kind of, yeah. you had those opportunities. All right, it's time. You love him. I love him. Dembele, what is the deal? Again, to me, his first touch kills me, man, still. Like, it drives me bonkers. Like, and also his passing sometimes, I feel like it, like it's always drifting out or something. Like, I know when he centers the ball, like, it's never clearly accurate. I don't know. But we need him. And the thing is, when he went down with injury today, I was just like, oh, my God, that's all we need. But it looks like it was just cramps. So, but we Not have me. to use him. You know, this is – I, I, not Go. me. The greatest <laughs> way of spreading Christmas cheer is getting Dembele on the bench as quick as we can. No, for me, honestly, right? 
I I don't know post Brexit if I'm allowed to drive in Europe anymore. I used to be able to. Don't know if I am. I'm a bit skinned, so I probably can't afford the petrol. Mm-hmm. I don't really like driving. However, mm-hmm. there's rumours that Man City might be interested. If that's the case, I'm going to get in my car. I'm going <laughs> to drive to Barcelona. I'm going to bring him back. He can stay in my spare room. I'm only a couple of hours away from Manchester. He can stay in my spare room, and they can have him. He is utterly counterproductive right now. I'm sorry. Like, if you aren't going to bring the performance. There's like a triangle in my head. You've okay. got performance, you've got the noise around you, and you've got your salary. Okay. If you're if you're Danny Alves and you come in and you perform all right, you're apparently you're, you're apparently playing for as close to free as you can possibly play. Sure. But you but you turn up wearing flip flops in winter. I can handle that. I can handle that. If you're Danny Alves and you come up and you don't have the circus you used to have, your salary is nothing. You don't perform well. I can handle that. Dembele is is losing all three arguments to me. He's not performing. He costs us a fortune and he's an, he's an absolute distraction. Like, yeah, I don't think we need him. Would you rather, would you rather at the minute, let's assume, and I know assumption kills this argument very quickly, right? <laughs> let's assume fatty's fit. Okay. Would you rather have fatty on one wing, Abde on the other and the money from Dembele's salary in the bank every, every month yep. or Dembele on the pitch? There's, there is very few players right now, that in a one-to-one scenario, I would put over them belly. He's a distraction. He's too expensive. He's unreliable. He's unreliable in terms of getting him on the pitch. And when he's on the pitch, you don't know what he's going to do. Like, natural talent isn't enough. If natural talent was enough, Rabinho would have had 56, yeah, yeah. Ball- 56 Ballon d'Ors. Like, <laughs> um, he's, he's, I would love, I would really, 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 really love to wake up on the 1st of January 2022 and, and see him stood outside the Etihad in the snow, freezing, wondering what he's done. <laughs> so you don't want to resign him is that what you're telling absolutely me absolutely not <laughs> I, I would i would question i would question resigning dembele more than anything this current board could do up to and including whatever they do with sponsorships within reason whatever they do in terms of flying us around the world to playing games within reason you know in the terms of the realms of like logical things that may happen would i rather we start playing in the coca-cola arena or resign dembele in terms of my trust in this board rename the stadium i don't care i can see the logic behind that i see no logic in resigning them but he winds me up so much i i can see that i can see that uh i think you know one of the things that's hard for me to let go is i i just i the pure speed and i know i cannot get out of my mind because as you were giving me these arguments i i cannot disagree with it <laughs> and i do not want to resign him i do i want you have to like if you're going to resign him you gotta you gotta give him half the salary what he's been earning because Obviously, the amount of games. But again, if I'm, if we look at it honestly, in the last matches that he's played, he has no goals, right? And so that's the thing, right? Like that is his job is to score goals. And if you're asking me Fatih and Abde, I would rather take that and the money in the bank because Fatih scores goals. Like that's the thing, right? He converts. Whereas Dembele, you have the hope now that he's going to do something electric and score a goal. When was the last time he scored? That was something he needs to score on a consistent basis for me now. To, especially in this moment that we are desperately searching for goals and points, you know, and he's just not delivering. So, okay, I, I understand. If you were, he, he has one final point on it, yeah. and he is right. If you were to remove just running past the player, right, you can only show him running past the player if there's an end result, a positive end result, i.e., mm-hmm. across the across the hits a man, a pass that hits a man, or a goal or a shot on target. In fact, let's put shots off target in there as well. Let's be let's be kind. Okay. I would guarantee if you put that compilation highlight reel together. <laughs> Sedu Keita has a better highlight reel than Wow. <laughs> running running I'd be amazed I'd be amazed if it's not the case. Running past players is fine on FIFA and it's fine in YouTube. He achieves the square root of 
bugger all 99 times out of 100 <laughs> and i just i can't like i can't continue watching him beat a man like if it was just about pace everyone would be different like yeah, the yeah. whole game would be different and i just it baffles me that people in the premier league are seriously looking at signing this kid like I'm because amazed they, by it because they, they, you know, in the Premier League, they love the speed. You know, I mean, they think about how many long balls he can get to. I mean, that's that's essentially what they're looking at. And again, if if they can unload him in the January transfer window, I'm all for it. Like, get that money back, you know, and especially, you know, make you I've happy for your, for your Christmas. I've just remembered, like, I live in Gateshead, which is literally six miles from St James's Park. Newcastle yeah, got Newcastle. lots of money. They got <laughs> lots of money. And I'm talking about Man City. Like, at least they're quite well run. Yeah. He could walk. He could walk to St James's Park from my house. Let him come to Newcastle. He can live in my. <laughs> Jacob will be all right with him. He won't mind a strange man living in the house. Like, does Does your son like playing video games? Then you could play video games together. You he know? likes him yeah. more than watching Dan Belly play football. <laughs> At least to be a productive outcome. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, th- again, that and, and I had a couple questions before we finish. You know, there's a lot of rumors online. Obviously, in this past week. You know, with Ter Stegen and Frankie De Jong maybe being unloaded at the winter transfer. I don't see Ter Stegen being unloaded because I just, I just don't see it. But what about Frankie De Jong? Would you, how are you feeling about him lately? Has your opinion kind of dwindled a little bit in this past season? I'm, I'm confused because, again, this week, Craig, I, I went on YouTube to watch his Ajax performance. I'm like, what is so different between mm. Ajax and and what's going on? Because when he was an Ajax, he was like a like a superstar in the making, you know. And my friend had this good comment for it. he asked, uh, "Is De Jong a top ten midfielder under twenty four right now in the in the world?" Would you say? I think it's a very kind. Okay, uh, it's a very it's a very kind bracket for him. Yeah, yeah. Just put putting put that twenty four parameter in. exactly. Maybe I think what what I find. Let me let about... me finish let me finish it off yeah, with yeah, this, please, and then yeah. is he in the top fifty in the world? No. Yeah. See. So that's that. That's well, what I'm, on, like... on, on performance. No, and I can't be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. End, end result and blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for me, what I find really bizarre about these two is, if they both went in summer for for a half decent fee, I don't think it would upset me from a business perspective. Sure. Never thought I'd have been there a year ago with either of them. Yeah. But I think no matter what happens, I'll always have a what if because if we assume that we could recoup X million for both of them. And go and reinvest in that. I'll always think, what if we'd have gone and just changed this up a bit? And if we sell them, I think you know. And if they stay, I was, I'm going to tie myself up in knots here. Whether we sell them or whether they or whether they stay, I think no matter which way it goes, I'll always think, what if? Because could we have two better players doing two better jobs? Because it's just gone stale and they, they need a change, or or whatever. I, I'm really confused. Like I, I would hate to be in Laporta's position if if two viable offers come in for them to. And the worst thing that could happen is that someone in Spain comes in because. I think Atleti have got to be looking at All Black and thinking, do we need, you know, is is that going to run out its cycle soon? Like, can we change it? I think Testegen will be an amazing keeper for Atleti. Hypothetically, if Atleti come in because they've got cash with a bit of money and say, what do you reckon? Imagine if we've got to try and sell one of them two to someone in Spain as well. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I think Testegen's performances are terrifying. I, I really hope on a footballing level, but obviously not a personal level, that it turns out that he's still carrying a fairly ropey injury. And, it, and we can start to sort of, explain it explain yeah. what's going on with De Jong I'm really confused because the system in theory has always been okay for him like he's not he's not playing drastically out of position he looks it's not even that he looks disinterested he looks completely confused yeah and I'm just worried that he, he, he again he just needs to go and get a change and so do we and um who would have thought a year ago that we'd be discussing no, that? I don't... Being, being sellable 
I confused is a good word, and I also think handcuffed. I think he still cannot drive the attack like he wants to drive the attack sometimes. And I, I, I don't know if that's the coach is asking him to fulfill a certain role that he has to do, and that's what he's doing. Because again, Craig, I watch the Ajax stuff, and I'm just like, that's a completely different player. It's a 180 to what we're seeing, taking chances, going up the middle, taking one v ones, like. What was even last time from, for Frank, Frankie doing one v one? You know, that's those even, are the even from his first year at Barca. I don't think I don't even yeah. think he go back to his Ajax highlights. I mean, even from his first year at Barca, how exciting! You know, he was he was the Pedri of that team, right? He was the yeah. you know we, we, him and Messi's relationship, and I don't think it was Messi carrying that. I mean, Messi's done that with significantly worse players than De Jong, but I don't think that was a scenario we, we were looking at there. I just it really confuses me, and 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 again, like. I really, I really want both of them to succeed at Barca. Still, that they're, they're players I can identify with. Yeah, I hate to say they get it because what does that mean? But it, you know, when when we signed them, I was like, yeah, they get it. Like, it's horrible. It's horrible watching where they are at the minute, performance wise. Yeah, especially for me, Ter Stegen, because you know there was always this kind of debate whether he was, you know, the number one German keeper. You know, and. You know, we, I was joking with my friend watching the Bayern match. Neuer's just probably laughing. <laughs> you know, he's on the other end. He's just like, how? Like, he's like, I stopped that Sané shot 10 times out of 10. Like, that's that's like no problem. Neuer's probably thinking. Yeah. And again, it's like those type of things is where I hope it's an injury. That's the explanation and not something mental. Because yeah. that's always the hard thing. Like, you know, getting the ips uh, like in golf or something, you know. And so. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's going to be a complicated winter transfer, to say the least. And again, like you said, they're going this week to Saudi Arabia to play against Boca, right? Isn't that where they're going? Yeah, it's, mo- it's morally like, about as redundant as you can get. Yeah. And uh, throwing Maradona's name over the top of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Not well, me. Not for me. And that's the thing is that it's like another opportunity where they could just be training and quote-unquote getting better. It's like, what if we lose a player to injury to this match? Like, I'm just saying a what if, right? Like, what? What are we doing? We're, we're yeah. taking this. Tra- I understand it's for the money because, like I said, like we have in our WhatsApp group, they're getting X amount of money. I think ten million or more, twenty million. That's going to be paying off Kuman's salary essentially. That's what they're yeah, they yeah. need that money for, right? Yeah. But again, it's just like these distractions in the middle of the season when there's so many things that need to be, you know, adjusted, optimized, and all that stuff. And we're going to Saudi Arabia to play Boca Juniors for Maradona. It's like who knows? Maybe on. it's to, maybe it's to pay off Setien's salary. Maybe they're still not got. <laughs> Yeah. Or Valverde. Or Valverde, yeah. <laughs> shit, absolute shit show, isn't it? It's like, uh, I don't know if you um, know of a baseball player, Bobby Bonilla, but back in the day, he got like one of the richest contracts of all time, mm. like, you know, like 100 plus million or whatever. The Mets, he hasn't played for the Mets since like 2003, <laughs> and they're still paying his salary because like it's at the time they like backloaded it, you know? And so yeah, yeah. I feel like that's what we're doing with these coaches right now because we still haven't been able to recoup and just – Pay them off finally, you know. Valverde, Setien, Kuman, yeah, hombre. So it's a, it's a thing. Well, the next match is next Saturday against Elche at home at the Camp Nou. Basically, one more game before we close in the winter session, and yeah, so we'll see how we do. Again, we're we're dwindling right now between seventh and ninth place right now. We'll see how it does the Madrid derbies tonight. And I gotta be honest, Craig, before before we sign off is, you know, I think uh, Real Madrid are gonna run away with La Liga this year because I. They're scoring goals at a clip right now that no one can really compete. And for all my gripes of Tony Cruz, he's actually having a good season this year. I mean, I, I'm yeah. still baffled by this guy. But, uh, you know, Ancelotti has be- been able to put together a team and just get these That's points it. again. They have no drama with this team right now. 
the only drama here in Spain is always Barca right now. And yeah. again, they qualified for the champions, and so did Atleti, and so did Villarreal. I mean, that's, that's just, it. I mean, that's if, just you a... know, if, if Benzema can stay out of jail, right, then he's uh, <laughs> it's, it's drama free. But like, you know, just look at it. You got, you know, you know my thoughts on Benzema. Like, Vinicius is his. It's coming good. Um, wow, that was a lot of S's in that. that <laughs> an unfortunate stunt on Vinicius and is. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, they're, they're, they've got players that are performing slightly above where they should be, but they've, also, they've, they've just got consistency. And that's the biggest yeah. thing we're lacking, isn't it? Like going on the houses is that we just, we can't get consistency from the players that you need to be consistent in this place. You know, if we could get some consistency from the names that were mentioning that, you know, are over 25, and those players that are under 25 were giving us the performances they are, we'd be sat forth doing all right, yeah, yeah. knowing that we could get it around. So and maybe we'll get there after the break. Maybe maybe what we need is a couple of weeks off and then press the reset and ship a body, bring a body in. Who knows? But you know what? It is what it is. The, you know, I don't know if you... The, the meme that done the rounds at Anfield where that fella just wistfully looks at the crest and gives it a kiss and a pat. And that's kind of where I am. It's like, obviously, we're all going nowhere. We all want the best. Let's just get through it. It's like... It's yeah. like going to it's like going to visit an auntie that you know you don't really like, but you need to get the will. <laughs> you need to get the will at the end of the day. So you go and you think, right, it's two hours, and I'll be all right, and it'll we'll get through it. And that's kind of where it seems to be. We'll have a cup of tea and a biscuit, and life will be okay eventually. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, we'll we'll finish there. So, uh, we'll we'll start, we'll speak in in the new year. Happy Christmas, and too, uh, we'll speak soon. Take care. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.